0: Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. All right, let's go. So, you know, it's, a, uh, it's awesome that, that I'm preaching on this psalm today. You know, and I decided several weeks ago, actually before I preached Psalm 8. I think it was like right in the very beginning of this series, Summer in Psalms. And if you don't know, uh, throughout this entire summer, this is our, our Wednesday night series, Summer in Psalms, where each pastor, each person, uh, department head that gets up uh, here on a Wednesday night, we're going to preach from our favorite song or one that has an impact on us. Um, so go back over the archives and watch other services, if you will, and, uh, and listen to, to some of those messages, some very powerful, very powerful, um, messages. Um, and I know, I uh, hope this one is okay. And then the rest of them will be good as well. So, um, but before I, I uh, when I said that I was going to preach Psalm 91, if you need notes, uh, you don't have any, right, raise your hand to ushers and get it to you. I actually did not want to preach Psalm 91. And we were all talking about it. Pastor Rob and I, he was like, I'm going to do it. I was like, no, I'm going to do it. And I said, no, I'm not going to do it. He said, no, me neither. And then I came back and said, guess what? I'm going to do it. He was like, oh. (laughs) But it was was just something, you know, the Holy Spirit just kind of led me and said, you know, Psalm 91. And I don't think there is a more perfect time to talk about this scripture, this passage of scripture than right now. Pastor Ken said uh, this past Sunday, these past few days, past week, past months, years, our nation has gone through some very troubling times. And in fact, we're probably in a very tough, not probably, we are in a very tough time right now. And as I was preparing for this message, the last week or so, if I can be honest and I can be transparent with you all, the past week or so has been a very tough one for me. And I found myself not having the words to pray in English, not knowing what to pray. And I encourage you that if you don't have the gift of speaking in tongues that at the end of service, come up here, there'll be some people uh, up here that will help you. Because there are times like this when you don't have the words to say in English, when you don't know what to say, you can't formulate the thoughts, you can't get things together, you don't know exactly how to pray, what to even ask God for. The only thing I could do was pray in tongues. It was all I could do. And over the couple of days, I just kept praying and kept praying and I, I didn't hear the father. And sometimes that happens. You know, not always hear his voice right away. But I just kept praying and I kept praying and kept praying and kept praying. And then the Lord spoke something to me, very clear. He said, the world's issues are not your issues. And that kind of hit me in a certain way. And I said, Wow. If the father ever speaks a word to you, he will never speak something to you outside of his word. If he speaks something to you, you better believe that you can find it in the Bible. And when he spoke that to me, he said, because son, you are in this world, but you are not of it. And that meant a lot to me because and again, I'm being tra- very transparent with you, with all the things that are going on. Listen, not only am I a pastor, but I'm an African-American, if you couldn't tell. <laughs> and a lot of the things that are being seen on the news, and the media, on the internet, I've experienced that all my life. It's not something I just heard about, it's something that I've experienced firsthand. And to hear the father remind me and say, son, you're in this world, but not of it. Don't allow the world's issues to become your issues. And as children of God, as believers of God, listen, hear this from me, an African-American man, don't allow the world's issues, child of God, to become your issues because I'm not a black man that happens to be his son. I'm a son that happens to be a black man. So whatever you feel, whatever your opinion, whatever your thoughts, whatever your viewpoints, as a child of God, remember that you are obligated, Ephesians five and one, to follow his example and walk in love as Christ has loved you. That is our responsibility. And in this time, we can all agree and attest that this is a dark time. The Bible says that we're supposed to be what? Light. Where is the light, church? We must walk in love. We must be the light that this world needs. We are in this world, but we are not of this world. And what the devil wants to do is the devil wants to allow the world's issues to set root in your heart And then you'll start to believe things that are not so. You'll start to take on the agenda of the world when God never called you to hold on to that to begin with. The Bible tells us to guard our hearts with all diligence. Don't allow the world's issues, the world's agendas to set root in your heart. Child of God, guard your heart. That's the word that the father spoke to me all diligence guard your heart and so it's a perfect time that we're going over this scripture right now but let's pray really quick father i thank you for your amazing presence in this place i thank you father that your love overshadows all of our opinions all of our viewpoints our struggles our troubles, our experiences. Your love overshadows it all. And when we made you as our Lord and Savior, we became new creatures. I love the the song that we learned when we were growing up. It said, Jesus loves the little children. Red, yellow, black, and white. We're all precious in your sight. And we thank you, Father, that you constantly remind us of that every day. That you love us, in spite of what we look like, in spite of the skin tone. You love us because we're your children. And we thank you that we will take that same love and we will spread that love as your scripture tells us that they will know that we are your disciples by the love that we show one to another. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Amen, thank you, Chris. Amen. Psalm 91, I only got 20 minutes, so I'm gonna kinda move. I'm gonna get through these four pages of notes. I promise you, you know, Pastor Ken says, you think I can get through it? And you say yes, he says, don't believe it. Well, I'm gonna say yes, believe it. Because <laughs> I'm a little OCD. So I got to get through these blanks. I know how you feel sometimes when the blanks aren't (laughs) filled in. Psalm 91. How many of you have read this song? And I noticed there are a lot of hands that went up. There are also a lot of hands that didn't go up. If I can encourage you, because we're not going to read, you know, all we're going to read through it, but we're not going to go, you know, all through it right now. But if I can encourage you to read this on your own, let this become a prayer In fact, my family, my wife, and my kids and I, we pray this every single day. It's not an exaggeration. It's not a preacher number. No, we pray this literally every single day. And it's so eloquently written that you can read this psalm as a prayer where it says you, you can replace it with my, you can say I, make it personal, and you can read through this, and this can be your prayer, I encourage you to do this. We need it. You need it. And you need to know the protection. You need to know the promises that you have as a child of God. So this psalm was originally written as a psalm of public worship in your notes. The words of this psalm are words of comfort, assurance, and hope. And as we read through this psalm, you'll see that there are different uh, divisions of this psalm, if you will. And we'll start with verse one and verse two in NIV. It says, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Now that word dwell, and in some uh, Uh, translations, it says, whoever abides or or, or dwells in the secret place. But in this particular uh, translation, it says, in the shelter of the most high. And that word dwell has two different definitions. So we're going to talk about the second definition in a minute. But the first definition uh, is defined, dwell is defined as to live in, reside, be settled, or stay so whoever lives in, resides, is settled, or stays in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Have you ever stood outside in front of like a big, large tree, the sun is shining, and it casts this big, huge shade on the other side? Now, in Texas, you want when, it's, when, you, when you're outside, you want to try to find as much shade as possible, because it's hot. And see, I'm a, I'm a good old boy from the Midwest. So it don't get this hot up north. Troy can attest to this. Troy's from Indiana. But in Michigan, it doesn't get this hot. And now my mom will call me and she'll say, oh, it was hot today. What was the temperature? It was like 75. <laughs> it was 75 at four o'clock this morning. But you run for that shade. Because in that shade, there's a rest. There's a there's a sense of comfort. There's a sense of, whew, it's not that hot. I can still feel the heat a little bit, but the shade is kind of keeping the sun off. So I, it's kind of comfortable here. So I love how uh, and. Most people say that Moses wrote this and some people say that it was David and it could have been Moses based on if you read Psalm, Psalm chapter 90, some of the things that were written in there, which that one was written by Moses. If you read 91, it kind of sounds the same. And then some people say that 91 could have been written by David and right after uh, uh, he gave the, um, did the census of the people and those plagues and all that stuff happened and this kind of you know, came out of that. But whoever the writer was, They wrote it in such a way that the imagery, you know, if you're reading through this, it's like, oh, wow, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And this place, this shadow is, number one, our personal position with God. It's a position. It's a position of trust. Because in order to be in that shadow, the thing that is casting the shadow, you have to be behind it. Got to be in front of you. So, what the writer is saying here is that your position is behind God, allowing God to be in front of you. You hear, see the scriptures that says that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Our position as believers is behind the Father. Whenever something happens. Uh, or something that frightens my kids or something like that, first thing they do is they run behind daddy because there's a sense of comfort, security. They know that daddy's going to protect them. That's your position as a child of God. You have to know that your daddy is going to protect you. There's a personal declaration here, and underline this, put stars behind it, Say this every day, God, you're my refuge. I trust in you and I'm safe. Psalm 91 and two, and that's in the message, paraphrase. I trust in you and I'm safe. Now you may start saying that and you may not really believe it, but the more that you declare that God, you're my refuge, I trust in you and I'm safe, you'll start to feel a sense of security. The things that are going on around you won't impact you or won't affect you as much because God, you're my refuge. I trust in you and I'm safe. If the economy crashes, God, you are my refuge. I trust in you and I'm safe. Number two, or I'm sorry, number one, Develop an awareness of him and a sensitivity to his presence. Develop an awareness of him and a sensitivity to his presence. You have to know that your father is there. I love the song that we sing. Uh, It says, um, let us become more aware of your presence. Let us become more aware. Let that be your prayer. Father, help me to know. And I I believe it was uh, Michael W. Smith wrote a song a long time ago, years ago. I'm desperate for you. He said, in the end of it says, help me know you are near. Because sometimes we need to know that the Father is near. Sometimes we feel alone. Sometimes we feel like he's left us, like he's not there. Even though the scripture said that he'd be with us always, sometimes it feels like he's not there. Father, help me know that you're near. Develop an awareness of him and a sensitivity to his presence. We were in uh, Disney World uh, a couple months ago. When was that? I can't remember. A couple months ago, anyway. We went to Disney World and we were on this... this, uh, uh, this roller coaster. And it's a dark roller coaster. And it's got, I mean, it's just like little lights. I mean, I mean, you can barely see anything. And it's a two person car. And my daughter was in front and I was in back and she was just like freaking out. She was scared because it's dark and we're going to go through this fast roller coaster. And she started hollering. I could hear her say, daddy, 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 daddy. And all I did was I reached my hand over her seat and put my hand on her shoulder and she grabbed my hand and her screaming stopped because she knew daddy was there. That even though it was dark and I don't see you, I feel you and I know that you're there, so I'm safe. Even in this dark time where we may not see God, you can trust and know, help father me to become more aware of your presence so that I can find security and I can find safety. There's a place, there's no place where you can flee or hide from the Father. I'm gonna keep moving. Number two, we don't need some physical place to run for shelter. The Lord is our hiding place. Imagine that. Remember this, we must put our trust in the Father and learn to hide and dwell in Him in this position of trust, the peace of God can begin to keep your heart. That's Philippians four and seven. We're gonna read that in a little bit. But after you, you get to a place where you're dwelling in the shelter of the most high, you're resting in the shadow of the almighty. Then here comes these other promises in verse three and four. It says, for he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. Do you know a trap is there sometimes? Sometimes you see traps, but sometimes you don't. And this scripture is saying, listen, there are some things that you may not see. And as you're praying this out, Father, you rescue me from the traps that I don't see as well as from the traps that I do, you rescue me, you protect me from deadly disease. That's one of the things that my family and I pray. We never get sick, that's what we say. And we even speak, we don't even experience symptoms of sickness. Father, you rescue me from deadly disease. When the flu is going around, we don't get it. Because I'm rescued from deadly disease. Disease. Well, it's not a deadly disease. It's a disease that's not that does not belong to me, and we don't accept it. You rescue me from deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. So you see, the first uh, first uh, couple uh, verses talks about your personal position with God. This one talks about your personal protection in God, your personal protection in God. This place is a place of peace. We fly under the wings of God to find protection and help in our time of need. Let it be, peace can only be attained when a sense of security is realized. When you don't have security, there's no peace you ever had a bill due and you ain't had the money to pay it? There's no peace then. There's no sense of security. But when a bill comes and you already know that the money is there to pay it, you got a peace. You're not worried about it. That's taken care of. Peace can only be attained when a sense of security is realized. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, one of my other favorite scriptures. Do not be anxious about anything. Another translation says, don't worry about anything, but in everything, in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, in these world's issues, with the economy the way it is, this crazy presidential race, because it is crazy. (laughs) Even in these situations, the uncertainty of our nation, the uncertainty of our community sometimes, even in these situations, listen, we can find peace if we realize this scripture. Present your requests to God, verse seven, and the peace of God that transcends, another translation says, or surpasses, all understanding will do what? Guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. You can have peace. And when I look at that scripture, it says, that surpasses all understanding, because people will start looking at you and you have peace, and they, they don't understand how can you have peace with all of this stuff going on? Because there's a peace of God, because I went to my father. I've made my request known to him. I'm dwelling in the shelter of the most high. Remember this, we have peace as we learn to come into his very presence and dwell there in that secret place. That first, trend, uh, uh, first definition of dwell talked about living in, residing in, settling in. But I saw another definition And I thought it was very important. I thought it was very impactful. The second definition of of dwell is to think about or mull over. So whoever lives in, dwells in the shelter of the most high shall rest in the shadow of the almighty. But I like this definition because then it says, whoever thinks on mulls over, ponders, focuses on, on the Lord. Listen, that person rests in the shadow of the Almighty. As a man thinketh, so is he. We have to make sure that we're governing our thoughts, governing our thought process, processes. And you're gonna see as we read this scripture even more, that and I'm sure you've probably heard this before. It says, "An idle mind is the devil's playground." The devil always attacks you in your mind because the only uh, one of the only tools that he has is fear, and fear plays on your mind. Isaiah 26 and three. I love this New Living Translation you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. There are two kinds of faith. The first position, the first positions itself in the presence of God and constantly draws from his presence. But then there's another side of faith too. God bless you. The other side a faith positions itself in the presence of the enemy and becomes alert to constantly fighting the devil all the time. If you're fighting the devil all the time, your faith is positioned in the wrong place. Position your faith in the presence of God. Think on this, which position do you choose? Do you choose to position yourself in the presence of God or do you choose to position yourself in the presence of your problems, the presence of the enemy? Let's look at verses five through eight. Jesus, can y'all turn the clock up? Like, give me for like five extra minutes. No? Okay. We're just going to act like it says 10 minutes and not three. Verses five through eight. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. I love this part right here. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe it with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. Do not, letter A, be afraid. Learn to trust God. Ask yourself, do I lie awake at night and worry about my troubles and my problems? Listen, you have to get this scripture, this passage of scripture in your heart. You've got to read this. A a thousand may fall by your side. This is something that we declare. Ten thousand by my right hand. But listen, it will not come near me. If that economy crashes, it will not come near me. Terrorists may come to this nation, but they will not come near me because I'm abiding, I'm dwelling in the shelter of the Most High. I'm abiding, I'm resting in the shadow of the Almighty. Trust completely that God will take care of you. He will bring you the resources of heaven and meet your every need. Remember this, you will not fear or be afraid it's both a promise and it's also a command. Command yourself not to be afraid. Don't just look at the scripture and say that he promised that I won't be afraid. No, sometimes you have to speak to yourself and you will tell yourself, listen, you will not be afraid. You will not walk in fear. You will not live in fear. And listen, live in fear. And listen, I'm telling you, I'm preaching to myself right now. You will not live in fear. Because you dwell in the shadow of the most high. Verses nine through 13. I really want to get to this part. If you say the Lord is my refuge, And you make the most high your dwelling. No harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Another translation says, or dragon. This division here talks about your personal assurance, in God. Now notice the scripture doesn't promise us that the accidents cannot happen or that the difficult times won't come against us, but when we trust God with all of our hearts, his hand is evident in it all and no evil will befall us. It won't overtake us. It's not saying that it won't happen because sometimes as believers, as Christians, we can feel, we can we, we believe or have this, this thought that we're not ever supposed to encounter anything but you have to realize that the enemy is still here and he's still fighting against us. We have to remember that he's already defeated and you don't have to fight him. Realize your position, realize your place. Your place is dwelling in the shelter of the Most High. Your place is resting in the shadow of the Almighty. Isaiah 54 and 17, I love this. It says, no weapon turned against you will what? Does it say that the weapon won't form? The weapon will form, but it will not succeed. It will not prevail. You have to remember that promise, people of God. The angels of God are sent into situations, letter B, for the specific purpose of aiding in the battle and bringing the blessing and the peace to the people of God. Realize that you have angels, that God has given angels to you in your charge, that you can command, that you can tell them what to do. Go get this, prevent this, block this. You have charge over the angels. Listen, he made you, he made us a little lower than the angels and gave us the authority that Jesus had. Do you realize that while Jesus was, was on that cross, that he could have called the angels right then and they would have got him off. But he didn't for us. Let's move on, let C. see. This is a true promise, so much so that Satan even tried to use it when tempting Jesus in the wilderness over Matthew four and six. He took him up on that mountain. He told him, he said, go ahead and throw yourself off. Doesn't the word say that your angels will, will pick you up so you won't dash your foot against a stone? Isn't it like Satan to always try to pervert something that God spoke or that God created? even in the garden at the very beginning. God gave specific instructions. He said, well, you won't surely die. Satan always comes to pervert what God has created, what God has made perfect. Verse 13 represents a threefold classification of enemies we must fight. Number one, is the seen enemy. That's that lion. In 1 Peter 5 and 8, it says that the enemy goes around like a roaring lion. He's not a lion, but it says he goes around like. There's only one lion. But again, he's trying to pervert. He goes around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he can devour. So all he does is he goes and he goes rah. And he waits to see the person that goes, When you jump in fear is when he's got you. You have to tell yourself, I will not be afraid. I will not fear. So the first enemy that we fight is the seen enemy. The second enemy, listen, is the unseen enemy. There are some things that'll come our way way, that we see it coming. But while while you're looking for those enemies that you see coming, be careful that you don't step into the path of a cobra of an unseen enemy. The third enemy that we fight is the worst enemy of all. And I like the translation that says it's a dragon. Has anybody ever seen a dragon? Not the Komodo dragon. Has anybody ever seen a dragon? So I love how the writer put this in here. He talked about the seen in the enemy, the lion, the unseen enemy, the cobra. And then he talks about the dragon. And the reason why this this is the worst enemy of all is because it's an enemy that attacks you in your imagination. It's an enemy that attacks you in your mind. And it's often the most difficult to face and to deal with. Look at this. Dragons are the situations and problems we worry about when we should be trusting God. you remember that old acronym of fear, false expectations appearing real? And some may say false expressions or whatever. That's all fear is. It's an attack on your imagination, causing you to think something is which is not. That's why the scripture in 1 Peter 5, 8 it says he goes around like a roaring lion. He wants you to think that he's a lion so that he can get you scared. But if you're declaring that I will not fear, I will not be afraid. When he roars, you roar back. Come on. You don't you don't scare me. I know who I am. I dwell in the shelter of the most high. I rest in the shadow of the almighty. Get out of here. Come on somebody. Glory to God. Think on this as the worship team comes up. These enemies often have form to them, but as we look more closely, we find nothing there. The things that have kept us in fear don't even exist. Isn't that true? Some of the things that we fear really do not even exist. You're gonna crush him. You're gonna crush the enemy no matter which way he comes. If he comes in a way that you can see, if he comes in a way that you can't see, or if he comes in the area of your mind, your imagination, you are going to crush him. If you realize your personal position with God, your personal protection in God, and your personal assurance in God, some final thoughts as we're closing. Are you more aware of your troubles than you are of the Lord? Do you practice the presence of the Lord or the presence of your problems? Ask yourself those questions this week. Learn to practice the presence of the Lord, to run into his presence and to find his protection for the insecurities, the problems, and the major decisions before you and lastly live courageously without fear live courageously without fear and again I, I this was a perfect time to preach this sermon or this chapter because sometimes we need to be reminded who we are as children of God we need to be reminded and listen, if I can tell you, I was reminded when I was studying for this, I was reminded of my protection, my position, my assurance. And we need to be reminded that a thousand may fall at our side, 10,000 at our right hand, but it will not come near us And that part, listen, you'll only observe it with your eyes. Wow, look at that. Woo, they're really getting tore up over there. Thank God it's not coming near me. You'll only observe it with your eyes. From a distance, you'll see the punishment of the wicked. That's what that scripture says. Not gonna be involved. Don't allow the world's issues to be your issues. Pastor Ken says Sunday, remember this, we have two responsibilities as children of God. That's to love and to pray. So when you see things on the news, because they're only going to tell you what they want you to see. When you see those things, you hear those things, you see those things stirring up. Listen, we're getting closer and closer to our Savior returning. And I tell people all the time, just because we're getting closer to him returning, don't get in fear. Oh, the rapture is coming, tribulation or whatever. And don't get in fear. You know what that causes me to do? That means I got to win some more souls. Woo! Because our time is getting down or is dwindling down and we've got to depopulate hell and populate heaven. We've got to take people from darkness